All right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Just a 133 days till you, the American people, become the ultimate jury. It could not be. We, we can't have higher stakes than we currently have. Uh, a lot of news to cover today. Bernie Kerrig uh, sending Linda a note reporting on the ground. He's in Atlanta today that the where the shooting took place, the Wendy's that was later burned to the grounds in the Rayshard Brooks case. And he's been with cops all day. Apparently, he's now surrounded with people with AR-15s. Um, and now a city block blocked off there. Uh, and apparently, morale in the Atlanta Police Department is now at a dramatic all-time low. And, you know, a lot of talk of sick outs and a lot of talk of, of people just saying, you know what, I'm just not getting involved. Uh, this, this has been the danger, as I said, this mass demonization of the 98, 99% of good cops that put themselves on the line every single day so that we live safe and secure and in peace in in the homes or neighborhoods that we happen to live in. You know, this is something we can accomplish. We are the United States of America. You know, we can restore law in order. I mean, this could have happened without apparently a third shooting now in the Chaz Chop Autonomous Summer of Love festive zone as the media calls it out in seattle and and now oh well now that the, the shootings have taken place including a young uh teenage african-american which i did not hear much reporting on in the news media as a matter of fact our friends at newsbusters point out the liberal media insisted that this was a festive zone both fake news cnn and conspiracy tv msdnc and both they were both live on the air reporting the same it's really like a festival I mean, this is like a festival. They all use the same words and talking points. They're so original in their in their statism and their Pravda-like reporting. Anyway, so they're and while they're on again, two separate networks using the exact same words, the people in the autonomy zone or autonomous zone then correct them. This isn't a festive zone. And you watch the reporters like, okay, moving around in circles. Uh, seemingly afraid. It's not. What they've done is they've given out fake news yet again. And our friends at Newsbusters pointed out that if you look at the big networks and CBS News, by the way, neither CBS nor NBC gave the shootings any airtime during their flagship newscast. They didn't give any of it. ABC was the only network to cover any of the killings in the autonomous Chaz Chop festival summer of love zone uh only on sunday and by monday uh they kept us far away from the story how is that even possible you know we we've been chronicling i mean 104 people shot in chicago over the weekend 12 kids 14 dead you know new york city up you know shootings up 358 percent from last year and that can go on and on and on and it's, you know, these are problems that we could stop if we just have a desire to stop them. You know, uh, somebody said, I, I can't even remember the last time that the ever so forgetful Joe Biden, Terry McAuliffe, I'm fine if Joe stays in the bunker. Oh, you know, he sees two people a day. Let him stay in the basement bunker. Only two people a day is two body men. Leave him there. I just, you know, that is that any way 133 days and we're not even going to hear from that, the candidate. You know, what we've got to now do is we now got to reverse this here. So one total I saw and is 82 days since now Biden has held a press conference. 82 days. I mean, you know, we there are a lot of questions Joe is going to have to answer for, not the least of which 
is his record after Ferguson, his record after Baltimore, his record after Cambridge. You know, he's nearly, what, 50 years in public life. Uh, What did the forgetful Joe ever do to combat uh, systemic racism while he was in office? I mean, okay, then, then we could do a comparison in terms of what Donald Trump has done, criminal justice reform. That happened under Donald Trump. Opportunity zones, well, that happened under Donald Trump. Uh, if you look at record low after record low after record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment, that that was Donald Trump. You know, what did Barack and Joe give us? But 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. You know, these things matter helping historically black colleges out with more money and a longer commitment than any other president in history. That was Donald J. Trump. Media loves to say he's racist, racist. Every two, four years, same playbook. Republicans, racist, sexist, misogynist, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air water and they want grandma and grandpa to starve on cat food and dog food before a Donald Trump lookalike or Kevin McCarthy or Paul Ryan lookalike throws them over the cliff in a wheelchair. It happens, you know, I've chronicled this repeatedly. So, you know, while he's hiding in his basement bunker, you know, he's got nearly 50 years of failure uh, that he's got to explain. We, do we not have a right to see whether or not this guy has the alertness, the strength, the stamina, the, you know, except for, you know, planned out words that he butchers on some podcast. I mean, anybody can put a podcast together. It's fairly easy work. Probably even I can do it. I can barely download an app and they, they can't even get that right on this campaign. But they're, they don't want him out in public to be seen. Why? Because he's going to have to answer some questions. You can't run a campaign sitting alone in your basement bunker and avoiding the mob, even when the mob... You know, question, they're not going to ask him the same questions. I mean, I think a lot of us would like to know, all right, we the news of the day today. All right, so the, the mayor out in Seattle, I mean, that said, this, well, how long is this going to last? Maybe a summer of love. All right, so now she's saying after the murders, there's one allegation of a rape that took place in there. Did we ever confirm that from last night, Linda? Because I did not get full confirmation. Um, now that we know... One of one of the kids killed was one of the people killed in the chop zone was a, a young African-American teenager. I don't know if anybody covered that, but, you know, it was a, a Father's Day weekend. And, you know, that includes teenagers, three year old boys struck by gunfire in his father's car, car homicides in Chicago, up 22 percent, 14 killed, 104 people shot, you know, inside the chop zone, uh, a 19 year old. Uh, was killed inside that roughly six block area. The cops are begging. Can you please let us in? Let me play this tape of the cops pleading to get. There's been a shooting in the chop zone, in the Chaz zone, in the in the festival zone, in the summer of love zone. And the cops, because they have allowed the anarchists to take over a big part of the city, because the dopey governor there, just like the dopey mayor there. Just like the dopey governor of Illinois and the dopey mayor there and the same with the dopey governors and mayor in New York, you know, oh, we're going to get out of bail, you know, get out on no bail. 
You arrest them, you give them a bench warrant, they get right back into the, the action. And then the action was, in many cases, being involved in hurting now nearly 900 police officers. I mean, it's madness. And, you know, these are America's children here. Twelve kids in Chicago were shot. Twelve kids. I mean, it is it is it takes my breath away. Joe, how are you going to stop it? You know, what is what is the ever forgetful Joe's plan? Hey, Joe, what are you what is your opinion as now Seattle has decided they're going to slowly take back the chop zone and the protesters in response to this? They've now set up barricades. They now are preparing to defend the chop zone from police. Let me know when you have that cut uh, in, in, uh, about. Oh, let's play it. Please move out of the way so we can get to the victim. All we're trying to do is get to the victim and provide the The cops have to beg to go help the victims. They weren't letting them in. So, <clears throat> considering that the president is holding press conferences day after day and, you know, all the press does is pound on, on Donald Trump, when is Joe going to have to... Well, Joe, what's your plan to restore order in Seattle? Joe, what's your response? Because you and Barack didn't do much to help the, the shootings and the murders that took place all through your eight years when you were vice president and, and, and Barack was president. What did you do for Chicago to stop the violence? Nothing. Just like Rom Rombo, Deadfish, nothing. Democratic decades of rule and failure. So, you know, every question now, what are you going to do, Joe? What do you have to say about all this, Joe? You know, is any, you know, we're going to have, where do you stand on the defacing or taking down of statues? I think that's a fair question for Joe Biden. You know, is Biden or, you know, any prominent official, all right, how do you feel about Teddy Roosevelt or Francis Scott Key or the Ulysses Grant? What's Joe's answer? Why do U.S. taxpayers continue to fund public universities that employ radical elements? That's another question. You have a prominent uh, liberal activist, left-wing activist. I'll give you more of the details on this. person's name is Sean King and tweeting out that all statues of Jesus that portray him as a white European, quote, should be torn down because it's a form of white supremacy. Okay, what does Joe Biden think about that? Does Joe Biden support that? Joe Biden hasn't answered any of these questions. Rhode Island is in the middle of considering a name change. Uh, Rice University, uh, the student group is demanding a, quote, uh, African-American house and statue removal. Uh, How did he feel about last night and... Lafayette Park across from the White House. Does he support that? Does he support what happened at St. John's Church last night uh, when they painted outside the church uh, B-H-A-Z, a black house autonomous zone? Or, you know, how do you feel about any of these issues? You know, OK, so do you want to remove the statutes and historic monuments? Uh, is he ever going to have to answer a question? Because so far he hasn't answered anything. Now, the president vowed a crackdown on monument vandalism. We know where he stands. Imposing penalties up to 10 years in prison. Where does Joe stand? You know, D.C. protesters marched to the mayor's office to address issues following the attempt to remove the Andrew Jackson statue. Okay, we know where the president stands. Where does Joe stand? We know what the president's done in terms of 
opportunity zones, criminal justice reform. Why didn't you do it? How come Donald Trump in three years set record after record and you didn't set any records? Uh, what would you do? What would you have done differently? We know you oppose the xenophobic, hysterical and fear mongering travel ban. What would you have done 10 days after the first coronavirus case was identified in America? Uh, you have an artist calling out the Declaration of Independence, painting notes, most men and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Where do you stand on that? You know, where's Joe? I'd like to know what Joe thinks about a lot of these things. What does Joe think? Does Joe get what grade would he give New York City in terms of, you know, a New York state? Does he support no bail laws? Does he support sanctuary states? Does he support sanctuary cities? What parts of the new Green Deal does he support? How deep into socialism does he go? Does he support a border wall? Because Donald Trump has to answer all these questions. I think it's time now we ask Joe questions. This is like time to ask Joe. Joe, maybe he can do it during a Zoom call. You know, maybe some, you know, enterprising, you know, maybe one of his, his two body men, you know, can ask him the questions and then give us the answers. Tell America how Joe feels about all this. I think interesting minds want to know. And as we roll along, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. I mean, I, there's a lot of things we've got to ask, you know, the ever forgetful Joe. But he's in hiding. And, no, and nobody in the media seems to care. They, now, if Donald Trump misses a press conference a day, well, well, where's the president? Where's the president? Where's the president? Why isn't anybody asking, where's Joe? Why is there no pressure by the mob in the media? You know, it's, uh, it's you know, this is about Joe Biden. This is about radical, extreme democratic rule that has literally wiped out and and nearly destroyed uh one big city after another in terms of they don't even have basic fundamental safety and security for every american citizen in their states and cities the schools are atrocious in american big cities democratic decades of democratic rule and of course they're going to want the the red states that actually pay their pensions off and and actually fund them and they keep taxes low or they don't even have income taxes and now like you get the the governor cuomo's of the world the new jersey's of the world the the pennsylvania's of the world the illinois and california's of the world they're demanding you know massive amounts of of monies from the rest of america that actually do balance their budget with far less money and provide far better services more law and order uh higher school standards, better school results, and they're going to ask, you know, for for a bailout from the rest of the country. It's not going to happen. You know, where, where Joe Biden has been in office all of these decades. And in the eight years prior to Donald Trump, Donald Trump's been on the political scene for, what, four years? You know, everything's Donald Trump's fault, though? Okay. You know, this, this is... The, Joe supports... The policies that failed these blue states, run by blue state Democratic governors, blue state cities run by Democrats, run into the ground. If you don't have safety, security, law, and order, first and fundamentally, you don't have any social order or opportunity whatsoever. If you don't have an education, you're going to be shut out of any American dream. 
All right, 25 till the uh, top of the hour. Just, you know, when you think it can't get worse, uh, apparently Mayor Durkin's office out in Seattle said in a statement late last night, I didn't see this last night, I saw it today, after days of peaceful demonstration, two nights of shooting have clearly escalated the situation on Capitol Hill. We have been meeting with residents and small business owners to address their safety and disorder concerns, including the ability of first responders to access emergencies in the area. In other words, the police and EMTs and and those that wanted to help the shooting victims were having a hard time getting in. They didn't want them to be there. Anyways, Durkin then took to Twitter uh, Twitter to defend the six-block autonomous zone Monday, calling the CHOP a place of healing, education, and community. Quote, tens of thousands of people have been gathering in Capitol Hill for nearly two weeks to continue their protest. Well, no, that's not exactly called a gathering because the gathering stops and ends. This would be called the hostile takeover of city streets in your city that you said would be a festival of love or summer of love. Uh, During the day, it's been a place of healing, education and community. But it's very different at night, she claimed. Okay. (laughs) You know, I sort of, um, I think, you know, I, I, I think I've heard it all at this particular point. Um, anyway, there were apparently, sadly, in New York, Washington Examiner uh, is reporting that a video uh, of a man lighting fireworks and throwing them on sleeping homeless men in New York City in Harlem. That's so sick and that twisted. That's true. Police department detectives tweeted that early yesterday morning, a homeless male was sleeping on the sidewalk in front of 67 Lenox Avenue and a male suspect threw a lit firework on him, which exploded, causing burns to the victim's back. You know, that's a human being. That's a human being that is probably not exactly a happy human being. And this is what you do to your fellow human being. It's so despicable, so disgusting. I don't even know what to say. It's, you know, where's your humanity? Where's your conscience? Where's your soul? Nobody's asking you to even like people. Just leave them the hell alone. Let's start there. In humanity, this crime is so shocking to everyone who watches it. The NYPD will apprehend those responsible. Now, will they? Because I don't remember Comrade de Blasio arresting all those people we have on video uh, pouring water and dousing cops and and getting all aggressive towards cops and the cops having to take it. I don't remember the people involved in that ever being brought to justice. I said this during Ferguson. I said this during Baltimore. I, I say it all the time. You have all of this video evidence of, you know, people looting and their faces are on camera. What do we do after the incidents? We never arrest and charge people. That's a bad idea because that becomes a license to continue that behavior. Uh, Just sad. Now, here's a question for Joe. Uh, It's Rasmussen has a survey. Now, this am I right that the Rasmussen report is different than Scott Rasmussen, the pollster? That is correct. Rasmussen reports has been sold. It is not Scott Scott Rasmussen. All right. So who's running Rasmussen reports? Not Scott Rasmussen. (laughs) <laughs> that's all that matters uh, we already established that fact are you kidding me scott's doing his own thing now he's got a podcast on just the news and he does ballotpedia okay well anyway this poll on rasmussen but not scott rasmussen which statement is closest to your own this was on breitbart they they covered the story 
all lives matter, black lives matter. Now, there is a distinction. I think this has to be pointed out because this is important because we played the tape of members of Black Lives Matter. What do we want dead cops? When do we want them now? And what do pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon? Um, now, do I think that people that use the phrase Black Lives Matter are associating themselves with the radicalism of people that made those chants? I do not. There is a distinction and it needs to be made. It's just it's just a fact. Um, so anyway, they asked the question and I, w- I would like Joe Biden's answer, considering he never leaves his basement bunker barely hardly ever. And Terry McCullough says, I'm fine with him there. And he only sees two people a day is two body men. Anyway, what they found is among African-Americans that 47 percent of plurality picked all lives matter versus 44 percent who picked black lives matter. Uh, Americans of all races pervert preferred all lives matter over black lives matter overwhelming two to one margin. Um, 59% of all voters voted all lives matter. Black lives matter was picked by 30%. Um, but that's not the question. What is, what does Joe think? Everything is not now. The president speaks a lot. Now I think it's time to find out what, where Joe Biden, you know, stands on all of these issues of the day. And where does Joe Biden come down? We know where he stood on coronavirus. What would he have done differently? What would he have done 10 days into coronavirus when the president put the travel ban in effect? Uh, How is it possible after eight years, he and Barack were not able to get the record low unemployment levels that Donald Trump has gotten for every demographic group in the country? How would he handle that? He's against energy independence and he's buying into the Green New Deal and He wants to double down on the stupidity of Obamacare. He needs to be asked that question, too, because we now have, you know, everybody. We had millions of Americans lose their doctors, lose their plans. And for nearly just shy of it's about 38 percent of Americans now have only one Obamacare exchange option. Just one. Only one. And he and it got caught and everyone's paying 200 percent more on average. I thought we were going to save on average $2,500 per family per year. He needs to answer that question. You know, again, all of these questions he's not being asked, and it's only 133 days till Election Day. Now, Biden's saying that he's going to raise taxes on the middle class, small businesses. He wants massive increases in regulations. Uh, We know where he stands on foreign policy. I just point to one country, and that would be Iran, and that would be uh, the... The Iranian mullahs, when they dropped 150 billion in cash and other currency and never got a thing, you know, he has to answer questions about China. I mean, the one person that was right. Well, there are really two people, but the one most outspoken by far against China and their unfair trade practices and an intellectual property theft was always Donald Trump. Always Donald Trump. Newt Gingrich, she's pretty close second, but it was Donald Trump far and away. And is and how does he answer the question about zero experience Hunter after a trip that he took to Asia and stopping in China? And then what, 10, 14 days later, Peter Schweitzer's book chronicles this well, um, then has a billion dollar deal with the Bank of China, which became a one point five billion dollar deal. And that would be the kind of deal that I would think that maybe Goldman Sachs would get or Deutsche Bank would get, or any one of the big banks Chase would get. I don't know, whoever else would get. Not them. Um, Anyway, so if he's a candidate of change, Joe Biden, okay, well, you've been there for nearly 50 years. What have you done, Joe? You know, there are some serious questions. 
you know, for example, his comments about segregation, he needs to be asked about, you know, he's we're having this discussion as a society, systemic racism. Okay, give us the specifics. Then you're going to have to answer questions about what you said. Why did you praise Robert KKK Bird? Um, you know, why did you say you didn't want kids in, you know, quote his words, a racial jungle? He used those words. We have this now, this push by this left-wing activist about white Jesus uh, statutes taken down in churches. Do you support that? Do you think that, you know, if you don't support defunding the police, okay, what are the changes? Donald Trump has put forward his changes. You didn't make any changes after Ferguson or Baltimore. What would you do? Why didn't you do it then? Um, Do you stand by your comments of the crime bill about predators on our streets? Does Biden support tearing down the statutes and and vandalism that we see playing out in major cities across the uh, statues and, and, you know, around the country? Is he going to condemn calls from liberal leaders to dismantle the police? And, you know, what does he think of the Chaz zone, chop zone, autonomous zone? And how does he feel that the mayor of Seattle and the governor of Washington have handled all of this? You know, will Biden condemn calls from liberal leaders uh, on some of these more radical policies? Does he really believe that everything the new Green Deal offers that's going to be free Does he think that's financially possible? And could he please bring a calculator so we can actually see real numbers for his policies that he's supporting? Because he says he does support it. Uh, What about the the president's new executive order, putting American workers first, restricting foreign work visas? Um, Why won't you go for more debates? Uh, Why don't you support fracking in a state like Pennsylvania, for example? Um, You know, what about the attempted takeover last night of Lafayette Park? Whose side are you on there? Do you believe, you know, let's talk about your health. Everyone wants to talk about Donald Trump's health. Let's talk about his health. Well, he released all his medical records. You know, can we can we uh, uh, get to the bottom of why he seems to be struggling so much? Can we have a long two or three hour press conference? Trump was doing them every day with his coronavirus task force. A lot of it was pretty healthy. You know, the American people, I think, and Democrats raised this question about Ronald Reagan. Do you have the strength, the stamina, the alertness uh, to take on the most demanding job in the world? Uh, Why didn't you pass criminal justice reform yourself? Why didn't you make the commitment to historically black colleges like Donald Trump has made? Uh, Why didn't you build opportunity zones that Donald Trump has made? You know, how is it? You know, a lot of questions here. You know, AOC is now advising your campaign okay how much of her socialist vision do you support you know do you think that you know your support of decoupling the u.s economy from china and specifically you know are you going to encourage u.s companies to move their important supply chains out of china does he believe as he said in 2011 that a rising china is a positive uh development not only for china but for america and the and the world Uh, Do you support Biden's increase? You know, what are you going to do on the borders? Trump is going to build by the end of this year. We'll have over 450 miles of new border wall. Uh, Is that the right thing to do? And if you're going to eliminate fossil fuels, how do you plan on replacing it? Because, you know, gas, oil and coal are the lifeblood of the world's economy. And for the first time in 75 years, because of Donald Trump's policies, we're now energy independent. You know, and by the way, I mean, you know, if everybody else is going to weigh in on on social issues 
And, you know, maybe you want to weigh in on some of those as well. You know, lately there's there's been, you know, ABC, Jimmy Fallon, um, and he made an, an apology. You know, what do you say? To, how do you feel about Fallon? How do you feel about the latest Kimmel controversy? Uh, the attacks against Howard Stern and, and Robin uh, Quivers of, of the Howard Stern show uh, from 25 years ago. And by the way, that is particularly, you know, I've listened to Howard Stern my whole life. He's not a racist. He's trying to be funny. You know, how do you feel about it, though? Uh, what about Al Sharpton's comments uh, about the first African-American mayor in New York or comments he made at Freddy's in 125th Street uh, or comments that he's made about Jewish Americans or the gay and lesbian community? Do you support that? Do you want to go back all those years and see him lose his job on NBC? You know, uh, what about, for example, you know, what you said about Barack Obama, what you said about working in 7-Elevens and Dunkin' Donuts. You know, it's okay. I mean, do you get the points here? You know, do you like, com you know, comedy? Again, um, I think Chris Rock is the funniest stand-up com comedian out there. By far none. How does he feel about comedy? Where does the line get drawn? These are all questions for Joe. You know, I'm not running for president. Joe's running for president. Joe's hiding in his basement. Everybody seems to be fine with Joe hiding in the basement. I think it's time that Joe has to start answering a lot of questions here. Because uh, there's a lot you've watched. Why have you not been, why have you not stepped in and said a thing about, you know, insisting in executive orders that put COVID-19 patients in nursing homes in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Michigan? That killed literally tens of thousands of people. That one executive order when Donald Trump built hospitals, manned hospitals, provided all the PPE in hospitals, and those hospital beds stood empty while these things were happening. Okay, are you critical of any of these Democratic mayors in any of these states, any of these cities? I don't know. We haven't heard from Joe on anything. You know, Joe Biden launched a new TV ads. Uh, OK, well, you're going to stand by the ads that you put out. You know, there's a lot of talk about the size of the president's rally this weekend in Oklahoma. Well, I think there's some context to that, but not the least of which is Donald Trump, Fox News in its 25th year. He set a record a, a ever the highest number ever ratings record. Seven point seven million people that watch that then I'm over. You know, I've read now up estimates of at least 11.3 million watching the speech online, and we're not even talking about any other network. Well, now we're up to like 20, 25 million minimum. Okay, how many people attended your rallies, Joe? And when are you going to have a rally? When are you going to talk to the American people? Maybe if you're just going to stay in your basement bunker with your two body men, you know, where do you where do you stand on Israel? Where do you stand on on Middle East peace plans? Where do you stand on Jerusalem as the capital? Where do you stand on, you know, how Donald Trump defeated the caliphate, took out al-Baghdadi, beat the caliphate in Syria, took out Soleimani, and took out the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen? You know, where do you stand on those issues? I don't know. I think, Linda, is that pretty comprehensive? I think I'm getting pretty comprehensive, right? Yeah, I think Trump? that was awesome, actually. I'm not running for president. I'm, Joe's running for president. President Trump has already given his positions and gives them all the time. Joe doesn't know where he's running. He just does what he's told. I guess. At hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. We have big breaking news as it relates. We have a brand new DOJ reveal 
another discovery. The struck notes, we believe from, remember, the Flynn case was over on January 4th. Now, we have notes from Strzok, and we're getting the details of them at the bottom of the hour in this crucial three-day period of January 3rd through 5th and the implications it has on, on, the, on the case of, of General Flynn. And it is, I am told, blockbuster. We're also getting new indications where the Durham report is moving. We'll do that at the bottom of the hour. Then we'll get to the uh, issues at the top of now a showdown. It looks like we're headed for one in Seattle in the autonomous Chaz Chop festive uh, zone. That, that is what they call the summer of love zone, as the mayor calls it out there. Uh, but first, we welcome back uh, Newt Gingrich. He's just authored a brand new book. It's out today. Um, I'm a fan of all of his writing. It's Trump and the American future. You know, it's, I know some bookstores aren't available open today, but it's online, Amazon.com. We have a link on Hannity.com. And, you know, Newt and I are on the same track here, and I have a book out August 4th that I've been talking about, but I want to focus on his book today because this election is unlike any other election that we've ever had in our lifetime. And Newt Gingrich and I go back to 1994. Republicans, imagine this. They hadn't had control of the House of Representatives for 40 years. And because of his intellectual hard work and and starting something, rebuilding American civilization, transforming that into what became the contract with America. That, by the way, in the first hundred days, voting on, on those 10 items, it changed history. I got to be the MC the night that the Republicans took back control of the House that night, and he then became the Speaker of the House. He's always been a conservative intellectual, uh, just a, a, a force of, of sheer power, ideas, and energy. Mr. Speaker, congratulations, and I agree. This is, uh, look, uh, we've said it on many other occasions in our adult lives. This is it. This is a clear choice election. This is it. Who is that? But, but before we get into the future, I just want to correct one thing for our friends in the audience. Oh, great. Here we, we go. We don't go back to 94. No, we don't go back to 94. Was it 89 <laughs> or 90 when I first had agreed to be interviewed? 1990. In blue jeans in yep. Huntsville, Alabama. I had a suit right? jacket on okay. and a tie. You had a suit jacket and a tie and blue jeans. <laughs> Nothing's changed, by the way. I still wear the same garment. Probably I'm wearing well, the I, same jeans as I, I wore then. I just... Look, I'm a historian. I just want to make clear for the record, in case some future historian listens to this tape, that we go back a long way. We met at a Holiday Inn in Decatur, Alabama, when I was a local host in Huntsville, Alabama, and I did a a remote broadcast. You were doing a speech there. You came to a room that we commandeered in the Holiday Inn, and I interviewed you. There is a picture somewhere. I've seen it. I got to find it. I don't know where it is. We'll send it to Legacy Box well, and have if, it. If memory preserved. serves correct, we ended up out on the balcony for some reason. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably me smoking a cigar <laughs> if I know me, but it who was knows? Great. But anyway, but anyway. But, uh, but by the way, that was an uh, that was a pivotal moment in my life that night and also the night you were speaker. But, you know, we, this is it, Mr. Speaker. It's, I think it, so. I, I tried to make the point in this new book, um, Trump and the American Future, that. This election is the most decisive choice since Abraham Lincoln in 1860. 
that not in 160 years have we faced the scale of difference between which side wins. And if you think about uh, Schumer, Pelosi, and Biden as a team, and you compare them to Trump, McConnell, and McCarthy as a team, you'll begin to understand exactly why I, I truly believe that this is one of those things that happens, you know, once in 160 years, and America will be radically different uh, on the day after the election, depending on which team is still standing. I think it's literally that important. I spend seven days a week trying to figure out how we can win this thing, because I think it is so vital to my children and grandchildren and to my country. You know, I fear for future generations. You know, let's be honest here. I'm getting a little old. I've been doing this 30 years with you. That's a long time. Um, and, and, and you've been a great friend and a great mentor in many ways as well. Um, and an intellectual a powerhouse in my life and, and have helped me in, in ways I can't even begin to list. You know, Terry McCullough said just, what, a week and a half ago, I'm fine with Joe being in the basement. He only sees two people a day. He's two body men. You know, we have all of this happening around our country, and he doesn't talk. And when he does talk, he can no. barely utter or string two sentences together. How does he get away with it. that? If you were, well, look, if you were Pelosi and you were Schumer, you would love the idea of a Biden presidency because you'd be convinced that you were going to totally dominate him, that you were going to define how radical it would be that you were going to define who he'd appoint to the Supreme Court, uh, and that you would uh, be able to fill up the government with your radical friends. And so, in a sense, Biden is just sort of the cork on the, on the top of the water, bobbing along, but, he, but he's not the guy who's paddling. The people who are paddling are people like Pelosi and Schumer, their left-wing allies, uh, and all the very, you know, the people like George Soros. Those folks are all paddling because they understand instinctively that if anybody but Donald Trump is in the White House next year, their world is going to start to win. And if Trump wins, their world is going to continue, as it has for four years, to crumble and fall apart. And, and that's how I, I really do believe that's how gigantic this election is. On foreign policy, on Supreme Court justices, on the rule of law, restoring law and order. Who, who would have ever thought 900 cops now? Uh, have been injured. We have an entire, you know, city blocks now commandeered by anarchists. Uh, we, we don't hear a word for Joe on any of these issues. You know, what does he think of the Chaz Chop for summer of free love zone, autonomy zone in, in, in Seattle? How do we restore order? Should we have sanctuary cities and states? Why does he want higher taxes? Why does he support the Green New Deal? Uh, why would he ever dump $150 billion in cash in other currency and a tarmac with mullahs that chant death to America? His, why, why did he fail to act after Ferguson, after Baltimore? Because uh, they could have made institutional changes then. He's been in government 50 years. Trump's been in there less than four. Um, and, and he set record low unemployment for every demographic in the country. And, and Joe and Barack gave us 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. You know, I think we have a real a lot of questions we need to answer here, Mr. Speaker. Oh, I agree. And part of the reason when I when I was writing uh, Trump and the American Future, the first draft actually got done before the Chinese virus arrived, and it was fascinating because you know lowest African American unemployment, lowest Latino unemployment, 
lowest female unemployment, a steady rise in uh, income for lower income Americans, many good things happening. And then, of course, we got hit by China with their virus. And then we had a public health policy which led to the only time I know of in history where governments deliberately created a depression. Uh, and then, of course, we had after that uh, the tragic uh, killing of, of George Floyd and the whole experience of, of the demonstrations, which were legitimate, and the looting and rioting, which was illegitimate, and the total loss of nerve by Democratic mayors and governors uh, who could not defend their communities. It's just it's astonishing to me. Look at the history, uh, though. Many you know, people got away with, with breaking law. No president has been more supportive of Israel. No president has done more for the faith community in America than Donald J. Trump. You know, right? I mean, you know, people questioned me and you, and we got hammered in the last election cycle. He's not going to govern as a conservative. And I, I put all of my credibility on the line, and I said, yes, he is because I've known him that many years. And I know why he played the game in New York, because it was the only way he can put a building up and keep jobs going and, and make money. I know that horrible word, profit. Um, and I know that, you know, I've never seen a president make as many promises and fight to keep him as much as him. I've never seen it. It's a force of nature. Now, some people don't like the style, but I guess when you're exposing the swamp every day, this is what you get. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I think... To, to measure Trump against anybody except maybe Andrew Jackson is just absurd. Trump went in there, rolled up his sleeves, took on the entire national establishment, uh, took on all of the left-wing propaganda media, and fought them to you know to a, uh, either a draw or I would argue he slightly won. Um, that's an astonishing achievement. Uh, Three hundred federal judges, um, all of them conservative. A radical, dramatic deregulation, uh, tax cuts that drove uh, the, the greatest economic recovery. You, you look at the economic recovery under Trump and the failure to recover under Obama and Biden, and you begin to ask yourself, well, you know, what is this election going to be about? Uh, you know, please, please join Biden and fail again. I mean, it'd be an interesting slogan, but I don't think it'll work. I like what Ari Fleischer said. Don't call him Sleepy Joe. Call him Weak Joe. And he is weak. You know, they brought this question up about Reagan. Does he have the mental alertness, the strength, the stamina? Look, I remember once you told me when you were speaker. Maybe it was after you just finished your, your term as speaker, your time. You know, I remember you told me that on a daily basis that you always had in the center of your, of your brain, which is pretty, you know, you're a pretty smart guy. There's a lot going on up there. Um, and a never ending tiredness and ache. And I actually now can relate to it. Never thought I would, but I can actually slightly relate to it in my own little humble way. Not quite up to your level, I promise. But, um, I've never seen a force of nature like this guy. Now people complain about his style, but I don't know if we get anything done in this environment without, uh, you know, having, you, you have to battle on every issue. This is a battle for the heart and soul of the country, Mr. Speaker. And I believe that with all my heart. Look, I, I look at Trump, I look at 93% propaganda media. I don't call them news media anymore. I look at 97% or 93% trop, propaganda media sat. I look at the deep state trying to destroy him. I look at the Democrats trying to impeach him. I look at all the different fights. And then I think to myself, and I watch him get up the next day, same level of energy, same drive, same determination. 
Uh, I think it, it really, uh, Andrew Jackson and Abraham Lincoln are the only two guys I can imagine who are in the same league for just taking the beating and keeping going. And he, he has truly, in that sense, proven to be an amazingly tough and resilient leader. Uh, and uh, my hat's off to him. I, 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 I don't know anybody else, uh, at least in our generation, who could have gotten through this. And much as I you know, loved and admired Ronald Reagan, I'm not sure Reagan could have taken the scale of beating. Uh, this is well, really, still, let me... it really takes an unusual person. Oh, no. I mean, I, and I'll be honest. I mean, you can take a punch, too. I can take a punch. I just don't care anymore. It's all, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter. The, sure. uh, it's out today. Bookstores everywhere. Amazon.com, uh, if your bookstore is open. Probably better to go to Amazon.com. Uh, Trump and the American future solving the great problems of our time. All right, we have some big uh, deep state news. John uh, Solomon will break at the bottom of this half hour. At the top of the next hour, uh, Leo Terrell, Larry Elder, a uh, sick out continues with Atlanta police. And apparently the Wendy's where the shooting and, and Rayshard Brooks died is now uh, apparently being surrounded by guys with AR-15s. Uh, a lot going on there. Um, Speaker Newt Gingrich joins us. His brand new book out today, Trump and the American Future, Solving the Great Problems of Our Time. Boy, we do need to solve them. And ideas is the way. It's on Hannity.com, Amazon.com. And, uh, you know, it's 133 days, Mr. Speaker. I don't even know if the events that will actually define the winning have happened yet. I think the economy will bounce back. A little concerned about the hot spots we're seeing around the country as everyone else is with Corona. Uh, Joe Biden is, you know, got, he, he just hides. How do you see this, comp, you know, how do you see this playing out? Look, I think it's very simple. If the president can get the economy moving, which I suspect he will, we won't be back to February where we had the lowest African-American unemployment rate in history and the lowest Latino unemployment rate in history. But, but if it's coming back up and people believe we're on the way, that's part one. Part two, if he offers a series of really bold proposals like a 12-month uh, payroll tax holiday, 100% expensing for business to create real investments, a pretty big infrastructure program to make us equal to China and the quality of our infrastructure, things that people can say, yeah, I want that. And then third, he simply has to define the nature of the uh, – Pelosi, Schumer, Biden machine, and how radical it would be, because you're, you're not just voting for Biden. I agree with the point you made just before the commercial break. Biden is so weak that I'm convinced that Schumer and Pelosi are eager for him to become president because they think they will dominate his presidency. And mm -hmm. he will be, end up being so radical that he'll have no resemblance and he, right. I think it'll take, they would, they would, frankly. Let me get this out. We'll continue this uh, on, on Hannity tonight. Trump and the American future solving the very problems of our time. Amazon.com, Hannity.com. Speaker Gingrich tonight on Hannity. This is Sidney Powell for Petitioner Michael Flynn. This is the quintessential case for mandamus because we have both issues of judicial usurpation of executive prerogatives and a clear abuse of discretion. The judge has no authority to do anything further in the case. There's no case or controversy any longer. The parties have decided the government has quit, 
and he also has no authority to go into the reasons behind the executive's determination uh, to dismiss the case. As uh, And by the way, glad you're with us. 25 till the top of the hour. We have Leo Terrell's uh, CL Bryant. Bernie Kerrig is in Atlanta today. Sick out and cops just not willing to do the job in Atlanta. A huge developing story. And the Seattle protest now setting up barricades to prepare and defend the chop zone. Uh, what Sidney Powell, the attorney for General Michael Flynn, is saying here, there's no case, there's no controversy. And what Judge Emmett Sullivan is doing in this case is just a, a even piling on more of a travesty of justice or injustice in the case of Michael Flynn. We now know there's no ambiguity. Exculpatory information evidence was withheld Brady material in this case. We know that the agents never thought he was lying. We know that, in fact, they opened up the case that they had just closed for purely political reasons. We have literally writings that say, what's our aim here? Is our aim to get an admission? What, on the Logan Act? Nobody's ever been charged with the Logan Act successfully since 1799. Uh, is it to get a, a, an admission or or to, to get the person to lie so we can either prosecute? That's a perjury trap. Or get the person fired, this being Michael Flynn. Just like there's no amb ambiguity that exculpatory evidence was withheld in the Papadopoulos case. Like there's no ambiguity that Roger Stone never should have had 29 guys in tactical gear and frogmen and CNN cameras for a process crime. But even worse than that, every American's supposed to have a fair and impartial jury. That never happened in the Stone case because the jury four person, we now know spite of jury questionnaires, uh, was vocal and extremely vocal against the person that was on trial. Now, at least you, you, you set a date for a new trial. Not in this not in this era of corruption. Nope, didn't happen. And then Paul Manafort's case, similar. That case was dead, gone, and buried and brought up for one reason. Well, we have, you know, we have this woman, Chalupa, working with the DNC, then going to the Ukrainians. The very thing that everyone got all outraged about Trump and Russia. The only Russian collusion was Hillary's dirty Russian disinformation dossier that they knew was phony from the get go. Now we have new evidence. Uh, John Solomon just breaking this news that the Justice Department is now disclosed to the federal court today. They have located a new page of notes from Peter Strzok. You know, he was the one that interviewed General Flynn, lead FBI agents uh, in all things Operation Crossfire Hurricane. Acting U.S. Attorney Michael Sherwin informed U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan of the discovery in a midday court filing revealing the single page of notes that were believed to have been taken by Strzok during the critical juncture of early in January 2017 when they had the ambush interview, of course, with Flynn four days into the Trump administration, something that Comey brags about that he wouldn't do or get away with in previous administrations. Uh, the same day that uh, we know the deputy FBI director McCabe told uh, General Flynn, no, you don't need a lawyer, when in fact they were ambushing him. This page of notes was taken by Peter Strzok. While the page itself is undated, we believe the notes were taken in early January 2017, between January 3rd and January 5th. By the way, this was the time at which they would have they they had killed the entire case against General Flynn. The prosecutor said it was more possible, more documents may be produced to the court. John Solomon is breaking this news. He has a lot more on this than I do. And John, uh, justthenews.com. 
Uh, just another another example of abuse of power and corruption that you have been very at the top of your game on, exposing since uh, March of 2017 on this show. Well, thank you. It is extraordinary. I'll tell you one thing that ha- some people who haven't been on the top of the game, and that's the U.S. Justice Department. It is unfathomable that at this late date, after all we've known about Pete Strzok, after all of the focus on Operation Hurricane, IG investigations, Senate and House intelligence investigations, that suddenly notes would, would suddenly be discovered that would uh, be further exculpatory to Mike Flynn. And these, these notes occur in such a crit- critical window. The window they're giving is January 3rd, 2017 to January 5th, 2017. That is a three-day uh, period by when, when the FBI went from, we're shutting down the Mike Flynn case because there's no derogatory information, no evidence he did anything criminal, no, anything, no evidence that he did anything that posed a conflict. God, I don't want to interrupt, but put emphasis yeah. on this. This was not one department. This was a number of departments saying the exact same thing. Yeah, the, the FBI was equivocal about it. And remember, the Justice Department was also telling the FBI, we don't buy the Logan Act. It's a stretch. We're not going there. We're not going to do it. So they were going to shut this case down on January 3rd. And then on January 4th, Preet Strzok uh, gives a call to the agent who was writing the closeout memo and says, hold off. You haven't filed that yet. And he said, no. Well, how lucky are we? Good. Don't file it. The seventh floor, meaning James Comey and Andrew McCabe don't want this shut down yet. And then that, then the next day, on the 5th, they pivot to the idea that we're going to set Flynn up for an interview. Maybe we'll catch him lying and he can get fired and be prosecuted. And that's what is actually what happened. These notes will give Pete Strzok's state of mind and, and whatever he knew at that moment. Uh, and I'm told from a person who has seen these notes, they're highly exculpatory. They're going to be explosive when they're unsealed by the court. They've been filed right now under seal, but when they get released, there'll be a new revelation and, and more, even more concerning behavior than what we already know about the Flynn case. How soon will we get to see it? Because I heard the same thing from my sources that it is beyond explosive. And yeah. now what, what position does that now put Emmett Sullivan in? I mean, yeah. can, I get, can he be impeached? Because certainly he, is, he has been dead set at, at even one point suggesting that General Flynn was a traitor for crying out loud. He's had some tough moments in this case, and we have yet to see what the appellate court has done. Remember the appellate tough court. Tough moments. He said there was no Brady material, and there was, John. That's, was. that's, that's more than a tough Brady moment. Material. Significant Brady material. I mean, game-changing Brady material. It's just unbelievable that the Justice Department played this far off the line. I mean, they were, they were cheating. And it's only now because of the good work of Attorney General Barr and this special prosecutor Jensen and the special prosecutor Durham that these things are turning up. And one of the questions I have is, if these notes weren't in the FBI system and they just turned up now, is somebody cooperating now for the first time that is forwarding these notes? And that's a big question that I know I'm going to be reporting on. How did these notes suddenly repair? Did someone flip and become a state's witness? Very important question that we're going to have to try to answer over the next few days. Now, on top of this, you wrote a really good column. I've been calling them little little like Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs that have been laid out. And I'm trying to read the tea leaves, the breadcrumbs left the, yeah. on the ground that Barr has dropped. You call it the six big hints that the Attorney General Barr uh, has dropped about Durham's investigation. And a lot right. of it got slowed down, as I understand it, because of the inability to, to convene a grand jury because of coronavirus and the inability to interview witnesses. But tell us about the six big hints bars dropped. Yeah, he's been really clear. I mean, we have a timetable now. We now expect that by the end of 
uh, the summer. There'll be the first developments, the first actions in the case, but that this is probably going to stretch beyond November election day. That's, that's a big news headline. I think one of the, the most surprising things he said in the Sunday interview with Maria Bartiromo was that uh, they are looking, uh, not surprising, but they're looking at what happened between January and June of 2016 before the official opening of the FBI investigation known as Crossfire Hurricane. And he said, this is the, the Attorney General's own words, it is significant that the Steele dossier work began before July. He dropped a big hint there that maybe some of the things that we saw in the beginning of the year were, were related to things Christopher Steele was doing. Uh, so maybe some of these approaches to people like Carter Page and Papadopoulos, they may have uh, involved um, you know, something related to the Steele dossier. That was a big hint. He, uh, he talks about the fact that there are multiple leak investigations, criminal leak investigations in the Russia case. Another very important development on that front. Uh, and I think uh, one of the most interesting uh, things that we've all talked about recently, but it's, it's become more clear from Barr's language, he is looking at the ICA, what is known as the Intelligence Community Assessment. That's the conclusion that the Obama administration dropped on the American public as it was heading out the door in January 17, saying Russia meddled. Not everybody agrees on that. But their intention was to help Donald Trump. Not everybody agrees on that. In fact, quite a bit of evidence has emerged that cuts against that conclusion. Barr has made it clear that John Durham is looking at whether political pressure was applied by people like John Brennan and others to come to that conclusion in the absence of evidence. So he's given us in the last few days, the Attorney General has given us a lot of leads, a lot of big hints about where this investigation is headed uh, as it heads to a closure. All right, stay right there. John Solomon, justthenews.com. That's his own investigative website and news source. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about Brennan. We'll talk about Clapper and names that could end up in an indictment. All right, as we continue with John Solomon, justthenews.com. Big breaking developments today. The DOJ revealing the discovery of uh, new struck notes in the Flynn case, apparently blockbuster, and uh, should be released shortly. Uh, and John saying his sources, and I've checked a couple of mine as well, uh, very ex- exculpatory and explosive here. We'll get the details uh, in, in the days to come when we see the actual notes. Um, now we were talking about the break. So we talked about the Durham investigation. What you wrote as a column, six hints, bars dropped about that investigation. Um but but Durham has something available to him that Horowitz never did, and that is going beyond the purview of the Department of Justice and FBI, one, and number two, the ability to convene a grand jury and issue indictments. Uh, it seems we're going to read tea leaves and look at breadcrumbs that indictments seem likely now. Yeah, listen, the, the, uh, the attorney general has said on multiple occasions now there's evidence of criminal conduct here. And uh, you wouldn't be waiting to interview witnesses. You wouldn't be waiting for grand juries to be uh, restored again in the post-COVID era if, if you weren't trying to bring a criminal case. And I think all the indications are there. And I think one of the most interesting comments he made over the weekend was that when you take a look at how the FBI opened this case on July 31st on this allegation that Alexander Downer, an Australian diplomat, meets George Papadopoulos at a wine bar in London, and because Papadopoulos makes some comment that he heard the Russians had dirt on Hillary Clinton, they thought that was a big enough reason to open the case. And the attorney general said, based on what he's learned from Durham, he thinks the case was opened on the, quote, thinnest of reads, meaning almost slim to no evidence, no real basis to spy on on the opponent's campaign heading into the final days of the election. I think that's a really extraordinary statement by the attorney general. He chooses his words very carefully. So I think we're learning a lot more uh, that Durham probably behind the scenes has found out 
that this case wasn't uh, based on a real strong predicate, that it may not have met the standards that the FBI has for opening a case. And then the question is, why would they do that? And the, pre- uh, the attorney general said, this is the closest I've seen to an organized effort to remove a president in modern history. So he's starting to lean towards that idea that maybe this was an organized coup effort rather than a legitimate criminal investigation. Very strong words by the attorney general. You know, I, th- I think the one thing that people don't understand about Attorney General Barr, and, and I'm just watching him from a distance, even this whole issue with the Southern District of New York, I mean, it was, it was interesting to watch. You had Obama cleared out anybody that serves in any of these in these offices uh it's they serve at the pleasure of the president this was a temporary and interim appointment number one and also had to do more with mayor de blasio in new york than anything else and another position was being considered for this guy that that again since has left the position um which by the way is very common when a president wants to make the appointment him or herself um in this case himself and that would be president trump and then we find out all the details that it had more to do with something unrelated and then the president and then the attorney general says, oh, by the way, if anyone ever puts pressure on you, contact Michael Horowitz immediately. I have told him to immediately take up any issue of any political pressure ever brought to bear on a prosecutor. Yeah, listen, the attorney general doesn't play games. He, he says what he means and he means what he says. And I think one of the things that you saw play out with Jeff Berman this weekend is the mentality of what you, we call the permanent bureaucracy, the uh, deep state, as, as critics will call it that they feel entitled to stay in their job, even when their boss and the president, who's empowered by the Constitution, says, I want to make a change. And they they play out this melodrama as though it's their job. They are the people's servant, and they they serve under the pleasure of the president because that's the way our founding fathers intended it. But you're seeing more and more of these career bureaucrats acting as though they have king-like privileges that they can't be removed, they can't be meddled with, they can't be told yes or no based on the supervision of, you know, of the uh, intentions of the administration. That is exactly the mentality that Donald Trump came to smash in Washington. He wanted the bureaucracy to be responsive to the people and not to itself. And I think the Jeff Berman episode plays that out perfectly. You saw the deep state mentality in public in real time and what luck turned out to be like a soap opera. He turned it into a soap opera. All right. Justthenews.com. John Solomon, investigative reporter. Thank you for being with us. When we come back, apparently the Wendy's where the shooting of Rayshard Brooks took place has now apparently been taken over. People reports now from Bernie Kerrig on the ground of, of people there around the Wendy's building with AR-15s, cops calling out sick in Atlanta and and many more details. We'll get to that Hannity tonight at nine. We'll take a quick break. News Roundup information overload hour is next. How long do you think Seattle in those few blocks looks like this? I don't know. We could have the summer of love. Well, tell that to the police who was supposed to be in that precinct, though. But I understand your sentiment, Mayor. We don't have to sacrifice public safety for First Amendment rights. Both can exist and we'll make sure that both exist in Seattle. Please move out of the way so we can get to the victim. was doomed to happen from day one and no one wanted to say it but i'm surprised it didn't happen sooner for a week matthew Plouze and his neighbors have been sounding the alarm about crime and violence from the chop zone he says it shouldn't have taken a 19 year old's murder and two people getting shot in just 48 hours for the mayor to finally listen to their concerns it should have ended when the car tender got broken into and the mob 
went and broke down his fence. It, yeah, did not have to come to this at all. Neighbors say they want to see a concrete timeline when officers will be phased back to the abandoned East Precinct. Clear it out, you know, peacefully remove them, that's fine, but start, start shuffling them away. They don't need to stay here overnight. A message on a barricade at one of the CHOP entrances says protesters aren't leaving until these demands are met. Some say compromise is critical. Once the violence happens and all the craziness happens, yeah, that's, that's opening up Pandora's box. Jason Smith, who was selling Black Lives Matter t-shirts, says the entire message has now been derailed. I think it was a Black Lives Matter. I think they was harassing black people, killing black people, and that's what it was about first. They lost their way. All right, there are the sounds of uh, what is an unmitigated disaster, and now we have the Seattle uh uh, anarchist, the uh, Chaz Zone, Chop Zone, Autonomy Zone, uh, Summer of Love Zone, um, Festive Zone, Summer of Love, everything zone. Now we have two people shot, one allegation of rape. You hear the cops begging to get in to help save lives because the mayor and the governor refuse absolute any sense of law and order in all of this sadly predictable and preventable. You had in one particular case, by the way, CBS, NBC, they completely ignored the fact a young African-American teenager was killed in this chop zone. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm like, OK, why are we why are we not covering this? Because what they've been reporting live on fake news, CNN, they were reporting live on conspiracy TV, MSDNC, uh, that it's festive. And even the people inside the zone are saying this is not festive. Now there is reports that they are gearing up for battle to prepare to defend the six-block radius, even though now the mayor says, well, maybe the summer of love has to come to an end here. Um, On top of that, we've got now the battle over um, the monuments that are taking place. We saw what happened in D.C. last night. Uh, We have one Uh, left-wing activist Sean King saying tear down white supremacy statues of Jesus. Uh, We have St. John's Church attacked again with the uh, phrase and the letters of the Black House Autonomous Zone there that was put to bed last night while we were on Hannity. Um, Now this has become an issue in the 2020 campaign as and Joe Biden is nowhere to be found and when will he have to even take a stand on anything uh, has not said a, a word about restoring law and order anywhere. The president bowing to crack down on monument vandalism, and it gets worse every day. Anyway, joining us now, uh, Leo Terrell at the leoterrell.com on Twitter. Uh, Leo, glad you called. Thanks for being with us. Your overall thoughts on this. Uh, this is sadly predictable. I've been saying it. You've been saying it. It wasn't hard to predict. It was inevitable. It was not a summer of love. And now them cleaning up this mess, well, it looks like they're preparing for a showdown in the autonomy zone. You know, Sean, it's it's, it's the reason why I just completely have to separate myself from the Democratic Party. The bottom line is the Black Lives Matter have hijacked the Democratic Party, anyone who used to be a Democrat. They have basically said, we will determine which crime, which murders is important. And And if it's not a black kid or a black man involved with a white police officer we don't care about any black on black crime we don't care about any of the chaos 
your order, CNN, MSNBC, Democrats, not to utter a word. What is going on in this country is outright lawlessness. And I'm pleading with every Democrat, you, the ones who are just, just keeping their mouth shut, open your mouth and criticize these so-called Democratic leaders. Uh, Joe Biden, in my opinion, is a Woodrow Wilson after he had a stroke. He is being run by surrogates. And I'm telling you right now, the Democratic Party has been hijacked. President Trump, like him or not, is on point when it talks about law and order. Ninety percent of Americans want law and order. And they have basically handcuffed the law enforcement in this country, the people who protect us at two o'clock in the morning. And I'll tell you right now, they have made this issue a race issue. If you're black, you're not allowed to criticize Black Lives Matter, except Leo Terrell and Larry Elder and a few other people who won't take the Kool-Aid, who won't drink it. And I'm telling you right now, as long as I have a vote, a voice or a platform, I'm going to call out those Black Lives leaders. I'm going to call out those Democrats who are keeping their mouths shut because they are drinking the Black Lives uh, leadership Kool-Aid and taking their money. Well, uh, we welcome to Reverend C.L. Bryant, author of The Race for Freedom, is a senior fellow at Freedom Works. And over the weekend, C.L., uh, and you're a pastor and you were formerly the head of the NAACP in Texas, Garland, Texas. You know, we saw 104 of our fellow Americans shot in the city of Chicago, uh, including 12 kids, pastor, including 14 of those 104 that died. Uh, we see that in New York City and this idiotic get out of jail free without any bail reform of uh, the governor. That's not working well. You know, 28 separate shootings, 38 victims just in New York City this weekend. And shootings are up a whopping 358 percent over last year. Minneapolis, Democratic mayor since 1978. OK, uh, now serious crimes. They're up 70 percent. And they just had a city council in Minneapolis vote to get rid of the police department. Um, I think that, you know, if we don't if we we can't even have a discussion on anything political now until law and order is restored. Every American, I don't care where you live. You're an American. You deserve a safe and secure home. You need law and order so you can go about your daily life and your pursuit of happiness. Absolutely, Sean. And when we think about the fact that if we as Americans do not concede this one point, if all of our lives are not valuable, and if all of our lives do not matter, then we are hypocrites, every one of us, who get the free sunshine, the free air to breathe, and the water to drink. Let me tell you something. No life is more valuable than another, and especially when we look at this in the light of a three-year-old child killed in Chicago, yet you have this great hoopla going on over a so-called race killing, which is an absolute lie. When we look at this particular incident, it's horrendous, as it was. And I've said this to you before, Sean, we've talked about this before. This is about a visual, the visual of a white man killing a black man. This is not about black lives. If it were the black lives that are falling in legions in places like Houston and Chicago and New Orleans, it would be absolute outrage over that as well. So let's end the hypocrisy. 
black people in particular. And full disclosure, I'm black just like you all my life. Grew up in the segregated South. And let me tell everyone this, Sean. This is not the segregated South. This is not the 1960s. This is an opportunity for us to actually come together as a society and understand that we must move forward if we are to survive as a nation. I mean, it's very powerful what you're saying. Um, Look, at the end of the day, you got to put aside, we, we have to have some fundamental agreement as a society. One is, let's all agree, uh, look, I, I take a religious viewpoint on this, and I don't think people mind. I share it. It doesn't matter what religion you believe in or whether you don't believe in religion, but I believe that we're all created in the image of God. Every man, woman, and child. There's good and there's evil. So there's some good people and there's some bad people. What we saw done to George Floyd, that was evil in my mind. You know, we, the, the, it shocked the conscience, rightly so, of a nation. Um, but at the end of the day, if we can start with the premise that this, we, we have got to make sure every American is safe and secure. If we can't start there in agreement, we're in trouble. You know, you know we've you know, watched now decades of Democratic rule in these cities and states, Leo, and they have failed miserably. And the next most important thing on my list is the basics. Every kid reading, writing and math. We don't, especially in, in, in liberal cities, blue states run by the Democrats for decades, it's been a spectacular fail in spite of the money that's thrown at it. We spend more per capita than any other industrialized nation. So it's not about the money. It's about the unwillingness to get the job done and allowing unholy alliances with politicians and teachers unions to prevent schools from getting fixed. We're smart people. We can fix these problems. Every kid could get a quality education, Leo. And that that to me is a ladder. That's the ladder to success. The more success, the more happiness you actually have to pursue. You are absolutely correct. Correct. Let me just hammer this point down. You know, I'm on your radio program because I got a good education. I had a mom and dad who, who, who told me how important education. Went to law school, got a teaching degree, got a law degree, practiced. That's why I'm on this program right now. But there are three bullet points that are so important. You're talking about working together. There are profiteers within the country. I don't want to mention any names. Al Sharpton. These people make a living dividing us by race. We got a great senator in Tim Scott trying to get a justice reform bill. You know what? The Democrats don't want it passed. You know why? Because they don't want the Republicans to work on justice reform because that's their issue. So they're going to stonewall that issue. And then when you constantly hear from Democratic mayors, liberal, black mayors in L.A., Chicago, Washington, D.C., talking about systematic discrimination, they run the system. And the sad part about it, being a product of public schools in Los Angeles, it is the Democratic playbook to keep minorities down and on their luck and point the finger at the other guy. They will not stay in power if they adopted principles of self-personal responsibility and self-growth. It is their playbook. That's what keeps people like Alice Sharpton and this Democratic leadership in power. They point the finger at the other side and say, they're evil, we're good, and in reality, they're holding us back. All right, stay right there. More with C.L. Bryant, more with Leo Terrell. We'll also add Bernie Carrick uh, on the other side of the half hour of this. 
right, as we continue, uh, Reverend C. L. Bryant uh, and Leo Terrell, they'll stay with us on the other side of this break. And we'll also be joined by Bernie Kerrig, who apparently was uh, is on the ground in Atlanta today. Um, Leo, as you know, at I mean, first things first, I don't think it's that hard to restore order if you're committed to it. You know, it's not going to be pretty at this point. I mean, now that they're setting up in Seattle barricades, they wouldn't even let the cops in after somebody was shot there. And so I, I, I'm I'm concerned that this is not going to, you know, look pretty uh, at all. And, and here we go. The anarchists are going to get violent. And here we go. More injured cops, more risk of death for, for individuals here because they didn't nip this in the bud like they did in Washington, D.C. last night. You're 100% correct, and the problem is this. The president has offered troops, if necessary. The governor of Washington has, got his hand, has his hands behind his back, and basically the Seattle mayor, I don't understand where she's from. She seemed like a flower child from the 60s. The point here is, Sean, it goes back to what I said. The black lives and the protesters, these extremist groups who never vote, who do not get involved in mainstream politics, they are hijacking the city. And the Democratic leadership, the liberal leadership, is afraid of them. And they can nip this in the bud if they wanted to, but they're afraid to because for some crazy reason, they believe that those extremist groups represent the Democratic base. No, they represent a fringe group, and the Democratic base wants law and order. And what do you think, Reverend C.L. Bryant? I mean, I, I agree with Leo, but I don't see, I, I don't, I don't hear Joe Biden say anything about it. So it's hard to find out where he is on it. You know, the Democrats that have spoken out have actually spoken out, you know, not just for the peaceful protesters. They just have not spoken out against all of these cops being hit with bottles and rocks and bricks and Molotov cocktails either. And Sean, one of the things that we have to watch out for in that what you've just said is this. What happens next? Do we all see the national anthem no longer played anywhere in this country? Do we see the Pledge of Allegiance fall uh, around the, the, the country? Are we going to become unpatriotic because of a contrived, a malicious, made-up type of fear? All right, C.L. Bryant, the stay there. C.L. stays with us. Leo stays with us. Bernie Kerrig joins us next half hour, final hour, free-for-all, 800-941-SHAWN is our number. Got an amazing Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll get an update from Bernie. He's in Atlanta and much more straight ahead. New York City has been like the Wild West this last week. This shooting in East Flatbush, leaving one man dead, another injured, adding to astonishing statistics that show a 342% rise in shootings last week, 53 compared to 12 in 2019, and a 414% increase in the number of people shot, 74 compared to 14 in 2019. The NYPD investigating a spree of shootings on this first official weekend of summer. One of them, 11 this morning, in just released surveillance video by police, a man walking down Milford Street in East New York shoots another, washing his car. That 35-year-old shot in the neck, the wound fatal. These shootings are a part of nearly two dozen overnight, with four people also shot in the Bronx. The NYPD says so far there have been 19 people who have been shot in the past 24 hours since midnight, and there were 13 incidents in all. And they also happen across four boroughs, Manhattan, the Bronx, Queens, and Brooklyn. 
some families are having a hard time getting in and out of their neighborhood. Armed protesters are blocking roads near the southwest Atlanta Wendy's where an officer shot and killed Rayshard Brooks. And pictures on social media show some of the protesters with guns at University Avenue and on Prior Road. Now, faith-based leaders telling us they, they want to see the group peacefully reopen the road. I believe that our people, uh, especially in this community, should not be uh, stopped from being able to peacefully protest and to peacefully travel and move about in this community. And police told us they are patrolling the area from a distance. All right, there it is. Uh, as we continue 24 now until the top of the hour, Atlanta News reports about the armed protesters blocking roads at the Wendy's where Rayshard Brooks uh, was shot in that incident that now we've all gone over from a lot of different angles. News reports of the NYC shoot and uh, New York City shootings. I've been going over 104 shot in Chicago over the weekend, 12 kids, uh, 14 dead at this hour. Uh, we also have apparently in Atlanta sick out continuing. Armed protesters remain at the Wendy's where Rayshard Brooks was killed. So what's next? Also, the Atlanta officer charged in the case says, I have 100 percent faith that the truth will come out. Uh, Bernie Kerrig now joins Leo Terrell and our friend C.L. Bryant uh, as we continue our discussion from the last half hour. Uh, you're on the ground, as I understand it, in Atlanta today, and you've talked to a lot of the police there. I hear that they basically are either calling out sick or they have no desire whatsoever to get involved in anything because they don't feel they have the backing of the mayor uh, or the confidence uh, of the people at this time. Well, you know what, Sean? One of the problems is they're not sure how to address their use of force continuum. They they have no support from the mayor. If they do get involved in an incident, in any incident, they're concerned about whether they're going to be supported, indemnified uh, by the city. I was actually by the Wendy's this morning. Um, they have created another occupied zone there, so to speak. They have members of the new Black Panther Party out there with AR-15s uh, standing around guard. Um, nobody's allowed to cross the road. Um, a few people, uh, you know, stopped and told us that if they were white, if they were driving down that road and they were white, they got turned around and told to leave. They couldn't come in, uh, couldn't get by the Wendy's. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think the Atlanta cops are, uh, you know, they're demoralized. Uh, they're taken back by this. And uh, it's going to be difficult. And you know who I feel sorry for, Sean? I feel sorry for the communities especially the minority communities where the most violence is, the highest violence, the highest murder rates, they're the ones that's going to suffer because the cops are afraid to do their job. Well, I mean, so you're saying that, that have they commandeered a block or just the Wendy's? And you're saying that there are people with AR-15s surrounding that Wendy's? This Now, it was already burned to the ground, wasn't it? Yeah, it's burned to the ground, but the, the road, they actually have the road blocked off with these orange barricades out there and uh it was a whole group of these guys uh you know the the new black panthers um with uh, ars so uh you know i don't know how long they're going to be there i don't know why and you, went, you went down there bernie you saw this with your own eyes yeah i was about a block away in fact i was from the highway i could see it from the highway wow unbelievable your reaction leo terrell you know, this is what makes this country great because you got a guy like Bernie, yourself, Reverend Brian, myself, trying to tell the public we're in a era of chaos and lawlessness. 
Uh, you got these Black Panthers, as Bernie described, with AR-15. I thought the Democrats were against assault weapons. And yet, where's the Democratic outcry and demand for law and order? And I'm telling you, Sean, you've given us a form to tell the American public. I'm telling the American public, those who are watching and listening to you on radio and TV, you got to say something. You got to get on the phone and call these Democratic leaders and say, you have to condone this. And Keisha Lance Bottom, stop running for VP. This city of Atlanta is in turmoil. One last point, Sean. You mentioned about Rayshard. You have always had a keen eye on cases that are good cases and bad cases. And this shooting case in Atlanta is not an act of police misconduct. Ever since you've been broadcasting this issue, it is clear that DA overcharged, that officers should be released on bail, and we should get law and order not only in Atlanta but in all these liberal Democratic cities. You know, uh, CL, I look at this and it breaks my heart. I lived in Atlanta. I love Atlanta. Um, and again, now, are they going to allow this to spiral out of control like they did in Seattle? Because that didn't end well. This doesn't sound like it will end well. And if police don't have the backing of the mayor and the support, uh, and we're, we're going to have trial by videotape when it's not so clear cut as Leo Torello is right in this case. Uh, we and have a video. We thought... have the prosecutor on tape saying that a taser is a deadly weapon by definition, by the law. Turning and and firing that at the officer before the shooting occurred, only turning halfway, which would explain perhaps the angle of where the shots went in the back. Listen, I don't want anything like this to ever happen, but it's, it's certainly not ex- the same as the George Floyd case. Sean, we should not be surprised when we live in an America where they're elevating a Colin Kaepernick to the status of a Pat Tillman or a Muhammad Ali or a Jackie Robinson. Yes, it is spiraling out of control, and they're using pampered athletes and elitists who are liberals in order to drive this narrative of fear and fear-mongering in this country so that they can do exactly what they have been doing, and that's keeping the country shut down, America becoming less prosperous, and the constant barrage of attack on a president who, before this pandemic occurred, had us in an absolute roaring economy, and we need to get back to that. We need to open up America again, and we need to stop letting the uh, asylum be run by those who are absolutely out of their minds. You know, I, I really fear for if we can't begin with the safety and Bernie, you know, one of the things that, that I tip my hat to you on is when Rudy Giuliani became mayor in New York and he was criticized heavily. Uh, but they looked at numbers. It was purely a numbers, a, a numbers issue. Where's the crime happening? It wasn't about what people, background, color, race, anything. Where the crime? Where is the majority of crime happening? We'll put the heavier concentration of police in that area. They implemented stop and frisk. The murder rate went from what twenty five hundred a year or thereabouts to five hundred a year. Yeah, well, from the time he took over in nineteen ninety four until two thousand and two, we dropped it by about sixty three percent. Violent crime, homicide by seventy, and in the minority community, Sean. The homicide, the murder rate dropped close to 80%. And yes, you know, Rudy was criticized and aggressive policing and, you know, all, all the, the the same kind of stuff you hear now. But here, here's the thing. Thousands of black lives were saved as a result of what we were doing. We were doing it for the people of New York. And all these cities, Leo just made a really good point. 
Where's the Democratic leadership? Every one of these cities that has the highest violent crime rate and the highest murder rate, whether it's Chicago, Baltimore, St. Louis, Minneapolis, all these cities are run by Democrats. When are you going to do for the people of your city? When are you going to create that safety net, that law and order? It, it, we did it in New York. Twenty-two. We went from 2,200 homicides down to... I, I, I hate to break your heart, Bernie. Your hard, hard work is going down the sewer uh, because <laughs> I don't know if you saw the latest... Well, I'm not, I'm not even... Look, well, Chicago had 104 people shot this weekend. 12 kids shot, Bernie. 12. 14 people yeah, died. I know. Uh, we now have, you know, between the mayor and the governor and their no-bail stupidity and their sanctuary, sanctuary status in New York City and, and their woeful response in COVID-19 and putting elderly patients at risk and many dying because of the idiocy of putting positive patients in the nursing homes. But anyway, well, we have 28 separate shootings this weekend, Bernie, and 38 victims and the, you look at the total crime numbers in New York City. Your city is up 350 percent over last year. Well, yeah, Sean, your good work down the sewer. They took 600 plainclothes anti-crime cops off the streets, and their sole function in life is going after guns. So when you don't go after the guns, the shootings are going to rise, and when the shootings are going to rise, when the shootings rise, so does murder. Well, you know, Leo, I go back to uh, fundamentally, nobody brought up the fact that a, a, an African-American teenager was killed in the chop zone. From my perspective, we got to first restore order. Then let's have a debate and have an election. You know, Sean, that's the first thing, law and order, because, you know, people want to be safe. And what I found amazing, if you look at the channels, Fox News covered the major story yesterday, 100 plus shootings in Chicago. Those other two networks that I won't mention. Those other two kids, they didn't mention it at all. They don't want to cover that. They don't want to cover the issue of law and order because it's a winning position, and it's the number one concern in this country. Instead, they want to keep this issue of racial division. Law and order is colorblind. It helps everyone. Everyone benefits from it. But it's not in the other cable network's best interest, black lives' interest, to cover this story like you have and put focus on it because they want to have racial divide instead of law and order and try to move forward with a colorblind mentality. They love the race card. And you know what? As a civil rights attorney, I'll find racism when it exists. But my gosh, the way you look at it from the Democratic perspective, it's 24-7, 365 a day. It doesn't happen like they portray it. Let me go to, to, to Bernie Kerrig one more time. Now, tell us what the cops are telling you and why you're down there. And Because the cops in Atlanta that I know, they're, they're either calling in sick or they're not actually working. They're just driving in the other direction. They don't want to see anything. Well, I think it's a combination of both. You know, today is uh, is Brooks' funeral, so they have a lot of people detailed to that. Um, and, and the cops are trying to do their job. But I'm telling you, Sean, from what I've heard from everybody I've talked to, um, responding is going to be is going uh, to be difficult because they don't know uh, they don't know what to do. Uh, they have no use of force continuum. Uh, their their use of force policy is basically thrown out the window uh, as a result of what's happened. Uh, they, you know, they're just, uh, they're really confused and, you know, taking it one, one day at a time. I came down, uh, I'm looking to help them as, as much as I can 
you know, Sean, keep in mind, eight cops, eight cops are, are out of work. These cops have families. Um, they have families. Uh, they're, they're trying to deal with this the best they can. Um, but uh, they're out of work. Um, and I'm going to do everything in my power to help them uh, raise some money and, uh, you know, put together some legal. Uh, Bernie, nobody money. talks about the nearly 900 cops that have been pelted with with rocks, bottles and Molotov cocktails and bricks. I don't hear or those killed or the, the cop in Vegas permanently par- paralyzed from the neck down. There's been about six killed, uh, you know, throughout this uh, 900 injured throughout the country. Um, this is an ongoing thing, but you know what, Sean, nobody cares. Nobody, you know, you know, who cares? You care. Leo cares. Jill cares. You know, no, you know what? I disagree. There are many in the American people watching in shock and horror. And I think it's fundamental to every American to want to live in a safe community. We can do that, Bernie. You know why we know I, you know, I know we can do it because you did it. It's never going to be perfect, but we can do a lot better than we're doing. Where's the Congress, though? Where's members of Congress? Hold your breath. It's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, Leo Terrell and uh, C.L. Bryant and... Uh, Bernie Carrick, thank you all for being with us. We have a full Hannity on all of this tonight with the breaking developments everywhere. And we are just 133 days from the election of a lifetime. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. We have a late breaking story. Hundreds of ambushed Tampa police that were responding to a report of shots fired. Uh, Two officers there are now injured. We'll have an update on all of that. Uh, We have full news coverage, breaking developments out of Atlanta and Tampa uh, and Seattle. We'll get to all of that. Pete Hegseth, Sarah Sanders, Dan Geraldo, Larry and Leo. Uh, Also, we have Senator Tom Cotton and Newt Gingrich. All right. So it's all coming up. It's at your DVR at 9 p.m. Fox News. Don't forget Hannity.com. We are only 42 days away from the release of Live Free or Die America and the World on the Brink. Now to discount at Amazon.com. You can link it to Hannity.com and check it out there. We'll see you tonight at 9. Back here tomorrow. Thank you for being with us.